But in that clip there, he is asking all these questions. God, why is this happening to me? Why is this going on in my life? Why is everything going bad in my life? And have you ever asked like those why questions in life? You've asked someone like, why, why, why is this going on? Why, why does this person get blessed when they don't deserve to be blessed? Or why is bad things happening to me when I don't deserve these bad things to happen to me? We ask these why questions in life. Why is the world the way it is? Why are some things... Uh, as they are, and and often we just don't understand. And so we ask these why questions is because we don't understand what is going on uh, behind the scenes. We don't always have all the facts. And the kids are the best at this. Uh, I love the kids' why, why questions. Kids ask the real why questions of life. Forget the complex why questions. The real why questions like, why is the sky blue? Why does it rain? Why is Elmo red but Barney purple? Like, why uh, is candy bad for you? Why is vegetables good for you? Why do I have to do what you tell me to do? And after a while, parents, if they've asked, had so many people ask or kids asking them why questions after so long parents you know what your response is you just normally just say because that's the way it is because that's what I say and and often in life that's like us as adults we're we're not like kids where we're asking all these questions everywhere like why is this why is that why is this but we do ask these why questions and sometimes we don't even know that we are asking these why questions. And there's been some why questions that I've been asking lately, probably in the last two months. I've got a list of why questions that I've asked about life and in my life as well. And these are the why questions that I've asked. Why did somebody have to die? Why couldn't they live? Why do kids instinctively think that life is all about them? Who taught them that? I'm like, I don't know. Why do we let money often be the overriding decider in our family's decisions? Why is healthcare so darn expensive? Why isn't there more chocolate in trail mix? Why are there so many raisins? Why doesn't Donald Trump care less about what other people think what he says? Why would anybody let bitterness get so bad in their lives that they would decide to go and shoot two other people? Why are people so confused? Why can't people see what sin is anymore? Why can't people see that there is a loving God who loves them? And why is life so difficult? They're just some of the questions that I've asked, the why questions that I've asked in life. And I'm sure many of you, you've had why questions that maybe you are asking right now or have recently asked in your life. But I think the hardest why questions to answer and to understand are the why questions we have about God. Sometimes we just uh, are so at a loss about the why questions we have about God. But I think there's two reasons why we have such a hard time with the why questions about God. Number one, because we don't understand God. We don't understand God. Actually, Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8 tells us, it says, My thoughts are not like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything that you can imagine. See, we are on a totally different level to God and we're trying to understand God on a human level and we can't. And so the why questions are difficult because we don't understand God. But the second reason 
why I think the why questions about God are hard are because we want to play God. We want to be God ourselves. I love what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes. He said this, he said, It seems so tragic that everyone under the sun suffers the same fate. That is why people are not more careful to be good. Instead, they choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. And, and it's almost like people decide they want to be God. They want to plan out the course of their life. They don't want to trust in a God, but they want to do it themselves. And so they map out the course of their own lives. And I think there's something within us at times that maybe think that we can do God better than God himself. We think that we can do a better job at being God. And this was the case in the movie Bruce Almighty. Bruce decided he thought he could do a better job at being God than actually God. But then once he became God, he realized it was a pretty tough job. And so we've been going through the story of Jonah for the last few weeks. And what we've discovered in the story of Jonah is that Jonah has the same emotions, the same questions in life that we often seem to ask. And we've, decided, we've discovered in this series that Jonah, uh, when God spoke to him, instead of running to God, he ran from God. And the result of that, he ended up in the belly of a big old stinky, smelly fish. And then he cried out to God and he repented to God for turning away from God. God spat him out onto a beach. And then we talked about last week how God speaks for a second time. God gave Jonah a second chance because God is a God of second chances. And so he spoke to Jonah. He says, Jonah, go to the city of Nineveh and tell the city of Nineveh that in 40 days they will be destroyed because of their sin and the evil that is in that city. So Jonah went and remarkably the city, the whole city of Nineveh, there's about 120,000 people in that city. They repented to God, turned their, their hearts back to God and God's heart melted, and so God decided not to destroy Nineveh after all. And so we're going to pick up this story in the book of Jonah, chapter 4 and verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles, if you can't find the book of Jonah because it's a tiny little book, then the words will be on the screen. This is what it says, Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. This change of plans to not destroy Nineveh greatly upset Jonah, and he became very angry. Jonah became an angry man. And the reason he became an angry man is because God was not going to do what God had said he was going to do, and now he was totally upset. Now, let's be honest this morning. How many times have we been angry with God? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you may not want to. But I guarantee the majority of us in this place, at one time in our lives, maybe multiple times in our lives, we have got angry with God. I've been angry with God in my life before. And Jonah was at this place where he was mad with God. He was angry with God. And he was pointing the finger at God. Now, in week two of this series, we talked about when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he went through this emotion. And this emotion was called blaming God. He blamed God for where he was and where he was at. 
Uh, he blamed God for all the bad things that was happening in his life. But Jonah had a ter- turn of heart and he started to worship God and he said to God, use me. And God protected him. God took him out of that place in that smelly fish and God gave him a second chance. But the problem is, if we just stay at that emotion of blaming God, then it could start to cause some bitterness into our hearts. And the next step after you blame God is this. We point the finger at God and we say to God, do you really know what you are doing? Do you really have a clue what you are doing? God, do you even care about me? Do you care about the situation I'm in? God, do do you even like know what's going on? And when you serve God long enough, you will discover that his decisions do not always make sense. You will discover that God will do things that you will not always agree with. But you have to be okay with it. Why? Because he is God and you're not. Even though we like to play God, even though we think we're we're, we're like God, we, we like to be the gods of our own lives, the reality is he is God and we are not and we will never understand God. And so there's things that go on in this life that we have to be okay with. So through this story of Jonah, we are discovering that Jonah, even though he is a prophet of God, even though we would look at Jonah and think Jonah is this amazing man, he's just preached to 120,000 people and they've all turned back to God and they've repented of their sins. And we would look at Jonah and think Jonah is this amazing man. The reality is we are reading behind the scenes and we know that Jonah has not arrived. Jonah has a lot more maturing to do in his life. And through the last chapter of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, we see a conversation that takes place between Jonah and God. And it's through this conversation that we see, and we're going to discuss four things this morning, that Jonah discovered about God and about life. And I think if we can just get a hold of these things that Jonah discovered, then we can find ourselves maturing a lot more in our lives and finding a whole lot more peace when we put our heads to bed at night. So these are the things that Jonah found out. Number one, humility. Humility. Jonah chapter 4, verses 2 to 3. So Jonah complained to the Lord about it, about, not, about God not destroying Nineveh. Didn't I say, Jonah said, before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish, which is in southern Spain. I knew that you are merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn your back from destroying people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive. What I predicted did not happen. I think it's funny that Jonah was in the belly of a fish. He was... He was face to face with death and he cried out to God to save him. Now he's in a place where he is feeling humiliated. And now he's saying, God, kill me now. He's like some drama queen. He's like some hormonal teenager. He's like, just kill me now. This life sucks. But what we found out about Jonah is Jonah had a lot of pride. He had some pride issues in his heart. And when we are prideful, it almost always results in us being humiliated. 
See, this was a deal for Jonah. Jonah thought he was better than the people of Nineveh. When Jonah walked around, he walked around like with his nose in the air, like I am better than you. He thought the people of Nineveh did not deserve to be saved. He was prideful in his heart. And if you have pride issues, if you think that you are better than other people and certain things are below you, then don't be surprised if God will deal with those pride issues in public. And that's what he did with Jonah. He publicly humiliated Jonah so that Jonah could understand, I need to deal with these pride issues in my heart. For humility is the badge of the mature. Pride is the hat of the immature. Say that again. Humility is the badge of the mature. Pride is the hat of the immature. For the quicker you can learn that you really are not better than everybody else, the quicker you will find honor in this life. Actually, the Bible tells us this. In Proverbs 29 verse 23, it says, Pride ends in humiliation, while humility brings honor. I don't know about you, but I want honor, not humiliation. So if you want honor instead of humiliation, then if you have pride issues in your heart, then you need to start dealing with them. And don't be surprised at times if God deals with those issues. It's not that God wants to laugh at you and make everybody else laugh at you. It's just that God knows that pride will make you fall, but humility will bring honor into your life. And God wants to bring honor into your life. So through this little conversation, we're... Jonah discovers there is something in life called humility. The second thing that Jonah discovers about God and about life is something we call grace. Grace. Jonah chapter 4, verses 4 to 6. says, Then the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord arranged for a leafy plant to grow there. And as soon as it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun, this eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. So Jonah's mad with God. Jonah's having this conversation with God. He's not happy with God. But yet, God comes and he makes this plant grow over Jonah's head so Jonah will not get sunstruck. See, Jonah's gone to one part of the city and he's looking over the city to see if Nineveh is going to be destroyed or if it's going to be saved. And what I love about this is this is just God's grace all over this. See, God's grace means that even in those times that we are mad with God, God still cares for us. Even in those times when our hearts are not right with God, God still cares for us. You could be a million miles away from God, but God is still there and God still wants to care for you. See, Jonah was in the wrong. God asked one of those parent questions. Have you ever had like your parents, they, they, they ask you a question, but really they're making a statement, Right? And this is what God said to Jonah. He said, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about this? Basically, God is saying, Jonah, you should not be angry about this matter. 
This is not a matter that you should be angry about. Jonah was in the wrong, yet God still protected Jonah from the sun. And he took care of Jonah. See, God took care of Jonah in the little details, even though Jonah questioned God in the big issues. And you may be questioning God right now in some big issues in your life, but God will still take care of you in those little details. I love what Hebrews chapter 4 said. In verse 16, the Bible tells us, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There you will receive mercy and you will find grace to help us when we need it the most. See, God's grace is there to help you. God's grace is there to, to, to give you a leg up. God's grace is there to take the load off you. No matter where you are in your life right now, whether you are serving God and you are loving God and loving life, or you are totally away from God and you may be in this place today because you're like, okay, let's just give this God a chance. God's grace is there to help you and to reach out to you. See, Jonah, on the outside, it looked like Jonah had it all together. But the reality is we know that Jonah didn't have it all together. And just because God uses people doesn't mean that people have it all together. You may be looking at someone and thinking, well, they're so blessed. They're being used by God that God is doing all these great things in their lives. They must have it all together. It doesn't mean that they have it all together. And just because you don't have it all together, it doesn't mean that God can't use you. See, God uses all kinds of people. Those who have it all together and even those who don't have it all together. And in this moment, Jonah learned the grace of God, that there is something in life called grace. Humility, grace. Number three, he learned attitude. Attitude. Jonah chapter 4 verses 7 to 9 tells us, But God also arranged for a worm. Who hates worms? Squirmy worms. Remember when I was a kid, I would like like break worms in half and they would still be living. It's like, this is amazing. Like two things are living at once, you know. I was like all boy when I was a kid. And now I've got a yard and I've got a garden and I hate worms because they eat everything. But God also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. As the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry because the plant is dead? As I said, Jonah, he's like a drama queen. It's like, I'd rather die than have heat stroke. But the reality is, this is what happened. Jonah, while he was sitting there, a worm came in at the stem of the leaf that covered him. It withered away. The sun beat down on Jonah, and Jonah got heat stroke. How many of you have ever had heat stroke? Whoa, man, you are hydrated people. Well done. I'm like, I've had it so many times, I just don't get hydrated enough and it's the worst you feel like you're going to die it's horrible and this is how Jonah is feeling right now but what we discover with Jonah when Jonah was in the belly of a fish Jonah had the right attitude even though life was terrible around him even though he thought he was going to die he turned to God and he had the right attitude 
Now fast forward several days and Jonah's attitude has all changed. Whether it's because of heat stroke, and it may have been, I get a bad attitude if I've got heat stroke. Or the fact that he's just been humiliated. But now Jonah's attitude is all, is all bad. He is mad again at God because the plant has died. And what I've discovered is that our attitudes often are not right because we think we deserve better. See, when we think we get what we deserve, our attitudes are good, right? But our attitudes get bad when we think we deserve better. And I'm someone, I can't stand people with bad attitudes. Uh, I hate it when people are just all negative and, that you know, everything's wrong in life and they just have this bad attitude and it really just gets at me. However, I can understand when people have a good attitude and things keep going wrong time and time again, why they get a bad attitude. I get a bad attitude when that happens. But it is your attitude that gives you a glimpse into your heart. So I ask you today, how's your attitude? How is your attitude today? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, the the why questions of this life are happening in your life or in your home right now. Because God is showing you that your attitude towards his protection and his plan and his purpose is not right. And maybe God's showing that you've got a bad attitude. And God wants to use people with good attitudes. And if you've got a good attitude, then life is so much better. And so maybe right now the why questions are happening. Because God is trying to show you something. So here Jonah learned some humility, he learned some grace, he learned attitude. And the final thing that Jonah learned is what something we call justice. Justice. Jonah chapter 4 verse 10. Then the Lord said, you feel sorry about the plant. Though you did nothing to put it there, it came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh has 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? See, Jonah was mad about this plant, but he couldn't care less about the people of Nineveh. And so often our view of the world is so small. Jonah got mad at the injustice of heat stroke. And we see injustices in this world and we want to correct it. However, justice is subjective. And what may seem like injustice to you may seem like justice to somebody else. The level of injustice we often want uh, to see corrected all depends And how it affects and tugs at our heart. See, Jonah in this moment, his heart had more compassion for a plant than 120,000 people who were going to spend eternity in spiritual darkness. See, this is how we see injustice. This is how I see injustice in my life. We see injustice in expensive healthcare costs, right? But yet, we often forget about the billions of people in this world who have no access to any health care at all. We see injustice about, you know, our house lives just a couple of blocks in the wrong school district. 
But yet we forget about the millions of people or kids who will grow up who will never learn to read or write. And I'm not saying that we should not be okay with our injustices because some of them are valid. But when we turn a blind eye to the bigger picture, we become just like Jonah. Jonah was so consumed in just this little plant that he had forgotten about the souls of 120,000 people. And this is what he should have learned that day. Let God be the judge. Let God's justice prevail. And do what only you can do. See, the story of Jonah, it's a sad, sad story. Because it ends right there. This man who could have been this great, amazing man of God who could have helped reach thousands of people for God. The story ends right there. We don't know if he changed his, 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 his heart. If, if God used him even more or that was it, he became a bitter old man. We're not sure. But it seems like such a sad, sad story. And I pray that our stories will not end like Jonah's. Where we just stay mad at God and we say, that's it, enough is enough. Watch this quick video. A woman does pray a lot. Find Grace and Bruce. Dear God, please help Bruce find himself, find contentment, find you. Dear God, please help Bruce. He seems to be struggling. Dear God, give Bruce strength. Dear God, bless Bruce. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. It's her. Sandy, it's her. She's logging on. She's praying right now. Bruce wasn't like Jonah. Bruce decided, I'm going to surrender to God and I'm going to trust in God. And that is the whole theme, the overriding theme of the book of Jonah is to just trust God. Trust God when God speaks. Trust God when life just stinks. Trust God when he gives you a second chance. And trust God when you feel humiliated, broken, and you see injustice everywhere. 
See, we need to trust God that he has the answers to the why questions. And you may never get that answer yourself. You may never understand that answer, but trust God that God knows best. Trust God that God wants the best for you and not the worst. Let's bow our heads in prayer.